There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm glad that you are here. When the sun comes out, I was wondering if I was going to be the only person around this past week or this weekend. Glad that you decided to show. And to those of you that are at home watching from your back deck in the sunshine with a cold beverage, good call. I'm glad that you've chosen to join us as well. Hey, this coming Friday is what we call our Day to Pray. And uh, the fourth Friday of every month is Christ the King's Day to Pray. We join together with 30-plus other churches around our community, and we make sure that every day of the month there's some church praying. And the goal, of course, is to, to completely cover a 24-hour period. It's an opportunity for us to come, to talk to God, to listen to what He has to say. And so if you've already signed up for Day to Pray, that's great. There'll be a brand-new prayer guide available for you this week. If you haven't signed up, I want to encourage you to go to ctk.church slash day to pray because we really believe now's the time to commit ourselves to prayer knowing that God hears every single word. So we've been reading this scripture over the last couple of weeks. We're going to hear it again today. Instead of putting it up in front of you, I'm going to ask you just to simply listen to the word of God as it's read to you. King Solomon, under the guidance of God, writes these words. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So I'm going to tell you on the front end, there is no way to make this week's teaching easy, light, and funny, so we're not going to try and make it easy, light, and funny. I opened a news feed on Monday and there were heartbreaking headlines. The mass murder of 10 people in a grocery store in Buffalo. The murders were described as a racially motivated act of violent extremism. So people were killed because of the color of their skin and we and their families are now left to grieve another senseless act of violence. Immediately following that report was another story of a church in Laguna Woods. Someone walked into a welcome lunch, left one dead and five in critical condition. And once again, we're left numb at another senseless act of violence. The next story chronicled the war atrocities being discovered in Ukraine. Innocent civilians being killed because of where they were born and the nationality they so proudly held. And we're not immune here either. Right here in Whatcom County this past week, two men arrested for an attempted drive-by killing in Bellingham. And we grieve and mourn because I think you will agree with me, there's just too much killing in the world today. And it's our heartbreaking reality. 
And it throws us a little when we hear Solomon make a statement that honestly is a little difficult to hear. And this is a difficult message to preach. I hope you'll stick with me all over the way through. But Solomon makes this statement. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. As I studied the passage, I noticed another sermon series preached on these same 11 verses that this statement was either soft-pedaled by pastor, was missing altogether. Some pastors are like, I'm not even going to talk about it. It's not an easy statement. Let's not pretend that it is. What I would encourage us to do is let's be the kind of church that can talk about difficult things. Let's stay in the uncomfortableness of the first half of the statement so we can get to the hope and healing of the second half of the statement. So first things first, Solomon says there is a time to kill. And when I went to the original Hebrew language, I was thinking, boy, maybe this will give us some relief or, or let us off the hook. But guess what? It doesn't. The Hebrew definition of kill is to cut down, to stab, to cause to die, or to put to death intentionally or knowingly. Ouch. So we hear that and we're kind of left with a tough question. Some of you are asking a really good biblical question right now. Is Solomon contradicting God? Like Solomon says, there's a time to kill. God said, thou shalt not kill. How do you put those two things together? I'm going to stop here for a moment and respond to some questions that I get on a fairly regular basis. People will come to me and say, Grant, I, I read the Old Testament and there's a lot of killing. And I don't know how to reconcile that with a loving God, so here's what I've decided. I'm not going to believe in God altogether. Here's the reality. There is a lot of killing in the Old Testament. But let's not make the mistake of saying that God is just out arbitrarily killing people. Okay, here's what we need to know. God will remove people from existence when they're perpetuating evil and targeting the innocent. God will not allow that to go unpunished. And we don't have time to talk about the how God does that right now, but I know this and want to remind you of this. God's character is summed up in a statement from last week. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you sow evil and target innocence, God will oppose you. Here's the second question. And the answer is not going to be political at all. Stick with me. The question I get is, is, is CTK pro-life? And the answer is yes, holistically. And let me tell you why. Because we believe, we have this foundational truth that God creates, initiates, and sustains life. And he's the only one that gets to decide when it's over. So that means we stand to protect of the life of the unborn, but don't miss this next part. While we also want to protect, uphold, and encourage the lives of people who may have chosen abortion so they can find both hope and healing in Jesus. We hold both of those together. We believe the protection of all life is essential. Why? Because God is the source, the author, and the director of life. That's why he said this in Deuteronomy 30. This is God talking here. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. That's a good Bible. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. So the Lord, who's your life and my life and the God of all life, he teaches in scripture that murder is never okay, ever, period. End of discussion, no debate. 
For the born and the unborn, murder is never justified. And while it's hard to wrap our minds around, I'm going to give you some words to contemplate. You can chew on them all afternoon while you're outside getting your vitamin D for the month, okay? All murder is killing, but not all killing is murder. There are heartbreaking provisions in the Bible. When a person must decide to take a life in order to save their own life, we would call that self-defense. When someone has to take a life in order to, to save the life of another while using the proper authority in order to protect a community, we would call that law enforcement. Or to take a life in order to save the life of an innocent group of people which would encompass involving our military. Now I know, this stuff is not easy to talk about, but here we go. In each case, killing should be both regrettable and we need to know it breaks the heart of God and should break the heart of the person who has to make that decision. And I pray that you never have to face that decision and I would challenge you to pray for those who protect our community and face the possibility of having to make that decision every single day. So there are provisions for killing but there are no provisions for murder. Period, thus saith the Lord. And we could spend hours talking about self-defense and protecting an innocent person or war for the sake of defending an entire country. And we're going to have to talk about some of those later on in the series. And I hope you'll show up on those really, really difficult weekends to hear everything that Pastor Brian Behrens has to say about those things. Because <laughs> I'm in charge of the preaching calendar. I can assign whatever I want to. Okay, just saying. <laughs> Not going to do that, all right? It's nice to hear you laugh for just a second. Take a breath, okay? But for today, I want to remind you of something. Solomon was living in, time, living in a time when in order to cover sin, an animal actually had to be sacrificed and killed. In Solomon's reality, an animal was killed so that the relationship between God and man could be healed temporarily. I also want to remind you of something else. Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, was killed for our sins so the relationship between God and you could be healed, not temporarily, but permanently. If you struggle with the statement, there's a time to kill, you should be celebrating the fact that Jesus came to put a stop to all of it. Thank God. So let's pivot there for just a moment, because this is so important. There are moments in life when killing is actually a part of healing. Some of you are wondering, Grant, have you lost your mind? <laughs> like, where are you going with this? So I sat with a cancer patient this past week. Chemotherapy is killing cancerous cells and some of the good cells in their body for one purpose. They want their health to be restored. Is it an easy journey? Absolutely not. But we need to understand this, right? Sometimes for healing to occur, bacteria, hostile cells, and invasive microorganisms have to be killed so that health is a possibility. Well, that happens physically and it also happens spiritually. So here's what the Bible says to all of us. We're called to put to death. I know those are strong words and may make some of you uncomfortable, but it took them right out of your Bible. We are called to put to death anything that separates us from God. So God never ever says anywhere in Scripture that all you need to do to have a great life is just minimize or manage your sin. Just keep it to a minimum, people, and you're going to be good. That's not what the Bible says. God never says to categorize sin and just stay away from the really, really bad stuff. So years ago, we did a summer series on the Ten Commandments. We did one commandment every single week. I remember getting to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit murder, and I thought to myself, okay, 
I finally got one. <laughs> I finally got one. This is great. This is so good. And then Jesus shows up in the New Testament and says, if you think a murderous thought in your mind, you're guilty of exactly the same sin. And I'm thinking I drive the guide every single day back and forth to work. I mean, I can't get any of these right. None of us can. And we can't treat sin lightly. You know why? Because sin will kill you. I know that's not politically correct. I don't care. It's important. So what's the biblical response? Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You'll live. Colossians 3.5, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Sin needs to die because if it doesn't, you die. Do we get that? Some of you may be thinking back to last week. Solomon said there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. And we actually talked about what it means to uproot sin from our lives. And, and yes, that statement and this statement are tied together because in Solomon's thinking, here's what he would be saying to all of us. Now's the time to uproot that sinful habit or that sinful attitude through the power of Jesus. Now's the time to kill that sin that's slowly taking your life. And here's where we can be encouraged. Sin doesn't have to kill you because Jesus already died for you. Sin doesn't have to take your life because the life of Jesus was already taken. Why did he do that willingly? To set you free. To set me free. I don't know about you, but I could use some good news right now, okay? So the Bible says this in Romans 6.11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we, who are alive in Christ Jesus, we can make a decision today. I'm going to put to death the apathy in my life that keeps me from doing all that God called me to do. I'm going to put to death false judgment and pride and selfishness and racism. I'm going to take out unrighteous anger, gossip, sexual immorality, idolatry, greed, and the list goes on and on. And I'm going to do that in the face of my living Savior, because there is a time to kill. And then, thank God, we can turn the page. <laughs> then there's a time to heal. Listen to the Hebrew definition of the word heal, to provide a cure for or to make whole again, whether physically or spiritually, to repair or to rebuild. My favorite book of the Bible outside of the Gospels, because I love reading about the life of Jesus, my favorite book is James. Book of James takes faith and action, spiritual and practical theology in real life, and puts them all together. In James chapter 5, he's speaking about healing. And he's speaking about healing for every element of our lives. And this is so good because we're faced with so much brokenness and so much sin and so much killing. This is where we get to unpack the promise of healing because that's what it is. It's a promise that God offers to each and every one of us. It starts with this. It's the promise of emotional healing. James 5.13 says, is anyone among you in trouble? Some of your translations say, is anyone among you suffering in any way, shape, or form? Then let them pray. Is anyone happy? Then let them sing songs of praise. You know, what opens our hearts to the promise of healing? Two elements according to James, prayer and worship. Why do we pray and worship in every single service at Christ the King 
every single week. Why do we do that over and over and over again? It's so we can connect with the God who heals. There's something about worship and prayer that opens our hearts so we can actually connect with God. We also come together. And can we, do I believe we can do that online as well? Yes. We come together to combat lies in the face of worship and prayer. We combat the lies like I'm not wanted or I don't matter or I don't belong. Yes, you do. You belong in this family. You're like, Grant, I'm a mess. Welcome to the family. We are a tragic, chaotic group of messy people. Thank you, Jesus. Doing work in all of us today. We come together to find unity and camaraderie and hope, and we find hope as our hearts are healed in the deepest places of our emotions, which means God wants to work on that anger thing. God wants to work on that chronic disappointment. God wants to work on that shame issue that you just can't let go, even though God said it was forgiven and forgotten. Secondly, there's the promise of physical healing. James 5.14, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Physical healing comes from one source, Jesus. The Bible says that in moments when we need physical healing, we're supposed to gather together a group of believers who can pray over us. And you're, some of us are like, like, but granted, it says the elders. And you know what? The elders of CTK would be more than happy to do that with you, but I'm also gonna tell you something else. This church believes in the ministry of all believers, which means if you've got a friend that needs he prayers for healing, it's your job to show up and pray for them. And you go, but Grant, I can't do that. I'm not a pastor. It's okay. I will swear you in and deputize you right now as a priest of the kingdom of God, it's time to step up and step in. When one of our brothers and sisters needs healing, we show up. We show up. Can I tell you, there are people in this room watching online right now who've experienced the miraculous healing power of Jesus. I talked to a lady this morning. <laughs> she was told 22 years ago that she had two weeks and she needed to get her affairs in order. She looked like she's doing just fine this morning. In fact, she walked out of here. She goes, I'm one of those people, Grant. There are people in this room right now and watching online who are waiting for and believing in faith that there's a healing coming this side of heaven and you need to know your spiritual family is believing with you and for you. And we will pray. That's our part. There's a promise of personal healing. James 5 says, Therefore confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So physical healing comes through Jesus. Personal healing comes through confession to Jesus. That's why he said, If you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just and will forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And some of you are just like, I get why I have to confess my, my stuff to God, that makes sense. Why does he make me share it with another human being? That's just hard, and it is. Can I tell you why God asks us to confess that to one another? It's because when we confess it to one another, we're no longer bound to the secret of our sin. We drag it out into the light where Jesus exists and thrives, and that transparency heals our hearts. When you drag stuff from the shadows into the light, hearts are healed, relationships are healed, families are healed, marriages are healed. I met up with a guy this past week, so 
He'd done his business with God. He had confessed his sin to Jesus and now he was taking the next step. He said, I, I believe I'm supposed to share this with another person. Grant, would you be willing to just sit and, and, and listen to me? He's got to talk it out loud. I said, absolutely, as long as you understand something. I cannot grant absolution to anybody. <laughs> That's God's job. I can forgive when someone's hurt me. I can work really hard to forgive myself of things that I've done that I'm ashamed of, but when it comes to pronouncing the forgiveness of God over somebody else, you get to go straight to Jesus for that. And can I tell you something? His answer is always yes. So two people sat in a, in a, a restaurant booth, and it wasn't one holy person hearing the words of someone who had tripped up. No, it was two people, both guilty of something coming together and claiming God's healing past, present, and future. And I was blessed, and I hope my brother was blessed too. And there's the promise of corporate healing, James 5, 17. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So Elijah prays for three and a half years that it would not rain. Why? Because he wanted his nation to come to their knees in humility. That's hardcore prayer right there. He didn't want his nation to be so arrogant to think that they had somehow arrived because he knew the longer they went on that path, the longer they were convinced they didn't need God anymore. Corporate healing happens when God's people earnestly pray for God's will, not man's idea of God's will. Can I tell you what man's idea of God's will is? I can talk from personal experience. I think... God's will for me, 100% of the time, should be comfort, ease, and vacation. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, right? I, you know? Like, not man's idea of God's will, but actually God's will to be done. Elijah prayed there would be no rain so people would repent and come back so that their nation could be healed. Second Chronicles 7, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you see what has to happen before the healing comes? You gotta kill your pride. You gotta kill your self-sufficiency. You gotta kill your arrogance. You gotta kill your self-righteousness. And then healing comes. Last one, promise of spiritual healing. James 5, 19 says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So we've been called as a family to be reconciled to God and then to help others see how beautiful it is to be reconciled to God. When that happens, our hearts are healed. And isn't it interesting that I have found that that primary door to this kind of healing all hinges on a single word, forgiveness. In the face of so much pain, God calls us to use forgiveness to battle killing at its core. And if you somehow think that forgiving is beneath you or this is just too hard to remember, I want to remind you of something. Our sin killed Jesus and yet he chose to heal us through forgiveness so 
true spiritual healing, it comes from receiving the forgiveness of Jesus and then we extend it out to ourselves and to other people who've hurt us. So several years ago, I went to Sacramento, California, got to speak at a workshop at a conference called Thrive. And I was kind of in the backstage green room area. They had like a speaker's tent and I went to grab a cold drink and, and there was a little old man sitting in the corner. And I don't say that disrespectfully. He was actually a little old man. And when I walked in, he popped up out of the chair and he said, I'm Louie, who are you? I said, I'm Grant. It's nice to meet you, Louie. You have a lot of energy. It just came pouring out of my mouth. I'm just like, you have a lot of energy. He goes, I do, and you can borrow some if you want. (laughs) And the whole time, he didn't stop moving. Louie got his groove on. It was pretty amazing. And right in that moment, Ray Johnston, the pastor of uh, Bayside Granite Bay, he walked right in and he said, Grant, he goes, this is one of the most incredible human beings you will ever meet. This is Louie Zamperini. If you've seen the movie Unbroken, you recognize the name Louis Zamperini. If you haven't seen the movie Unbroken, you should. It will, it, 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 it'll do a lot in your heart. Louis grew up in Torrance, California. He was nicknamed the Torrance Tornado because he was a really bad kid. He kind of overcame his delinquent childhood and he actually became a rising star in track and field. After competing in the 1936 Olympics in Germany, Louis joined the Army Corps of the United States and he became a bombardier in World War II. Um, when I, I've been practicing the word bombardier all weekend because for some reason, last week I told a story with a French-Canadian accent and to me, it, the, in, it, if we were in Canada, we would say a bombardier, which just sounds a whole lot cooler, I'm just saying. He became a bombardier in World War II. Well, on a search and rescue mission in 1943, Louis' plane actually crashed in the Pacific Ocean. And ultimately, only Louis and one other guy survived more than a month lost at sea in an open raft. It's a true story. After a month floating at sea, they were captured by Japanese troops and sent to POW camps in Japan. And during the next two years, Louis endured physical and psychological torture at the hands of his captors. The movie Unbroken actually chronicles how the leader of the the POW camp, a man named Mutsuhiro Watanabe, he was also known as the bird, he targeted Louis with every kind of torture imaginable. Louis actually said, he goes, "Uh, to kill me would have been much more merciful than the torture that they put me through. Finally, in 1945, when uh, when the when the World War came to a close, Louis came back to America. He got married, but he brought home a lot of pain. He struggled with alcoholism, untreated PTSD. And when his wife was at the end of her rope in 1949, she invited Louis to come to a crusade one night. And Louis went and he heard an evangelist by the name of Billy Graham gave his heart to Jesus and began that slow full recovery of his emotional wounds which included actually finding the strength to forgive his captors Louis actually went back to the POW camp in Japan forgave his captors face to face and then asked those who were holding them prisoner to be lenient and kind Louis found personal and spiritual healing And he did that by walking through the door of forgiveness. He said this. This is one of my favorite Louis quotes. I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. 
Hate is self-destructive. If you hate somebody, you're not hurting the person you hate. You're hurting yourself. It's a healing, actually. It's a real healing. Forgiveness. I know there are many people watching online and in the room today who are struggling with forgiveness. Maybe you've been able to forgive people who've hurt you, but you've never been able to forgive yourself. God forgives you. And now is the time to live free. In fact, we have an opportunity for you. Julie talked about it in the video. There's a, there's a forgiveness class. It's a half-day workshop. I can't think of a better thing than to invest half of a morning, half of a day on June the 4th to walk into a room and learn how to forgive once and for all. Okay, that has been a lot to take in. You guys have done incredible sticking with me. I mean, this has been a deep dive, and this room has been very quiet. <laughs> but what I know is this. You know, we can hear these things, even these hard statements. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. We can hear those things, and we can walk out the door, and, and we can go to lunch and get in our car and go get our vitamin D for the month out, you know, for the rest of the day. We can, we can do all of those kinds of things, and, and these moments that just kind of slip on by unless we embrace something. And the truth is this. Um, you can never put this sand back up in the top. The, the moments that these sand grains represent, they're gone for you. I hope I, hope I haven't wasted your time today because you can't have them back. But it also reminds us of something else. Now's the time to act. So we've been doing this all weekend long and I'm gonna ask you to do this with me as well. So there are some weekends we do what we call an altar call, Christ the King, where people actually get up out of their seat, they come forward, and, and, they, and, and they, they cement a decision they've made in their heart, and sometimes they talk to somebody else and different things. We're not gonna do that today, but I know there's something that happens in our heart when we have a physical moment where we, we change our posture in order to acknowledge to God we, we could use some healing. So in a few moments, I'm gonna read some statements. And if the statement is true of you, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. It's a sign of declaration to God, God, I need healing in this area of my life. You're also gonna find something else. As we walk through the statements, you're gonna find out this truth. You are not alone. So if you're here this morning, and even if you're online at home, you're like, Grant, I need to stand up. There's nobody else here. Uh, God's there. So if you're here today or at home, if there's a broken relationship in your life, I don't know what it is. Husband and wife, parent and child, brother and sister, coworker and boss, whatever that happens to be, if you have a broken relationship in your life that you need God's help to heal, would you stand up right now? Just stand to your feet. Just stay standing. If you're here today and some part of you is broken physically and you need God to heal that, you'll notice I'm already standing. I deal with this thing called tinnitus. My ears are screaming at me 24-7. Drives me crazy. I would love if God would make that go quiet. But if you have a physical need, 
and you need God to heal some part of your physical body, would you stand up right now? Just stand up. Yeah, there you go. It's good. Stay standing. If you have a broken past, and every time you think you finally got beyond it, the enemy just keeps playing those old tapes and those old videos in your head. And today you would love God to heal your broken past or one of those broken memories. If you're dealing with a broken past today, would you, would you stand to your feet? Just stand up. Awesome. That's good. If you've got a broken heart, and I have no idea why it may have been broken, but it was broken, and you need God to heal that, would you stand right now? Just stand up. How about this one? If any part of your life, any part of your life right now in this present moment is broken and you need God to heal it right now, not the past, not now, today, would you stand? Just stand up. You've got a broken present. So just in case you're wondering, there's people all over the room standing. It's good. And I'm gonna ask everybody else in the room that's still seated, when, when we stand together as a family, we stand together as a family. And maybe our role today is to be healed and maybe it's to pray for the healing of somebody else. I'm gonna ask everybody in the room, would you join me as we stand to our feet? And I would love to be able to pray over each and every one of us. So would you join me right now, God, for every person here who's holding a broken relationship in their heart? God, I pray that you would heal it. God, I pray that we would do whatever it was. You said as far as it depends on us, we're supposed to live in peace with everyone. So God, whatever phone call needs to be made, whatever letter needs to be written, whatever doorstep we need to show up on, God, give us the courage. But would you heal those relationships between fathers and their kids, mothers and their kids, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, God, for those who need a physical touch from you today, they need a part of their physical body to be healed. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would come right now, that cancer would be healed, that blood disorders would be healed, that heart issues would be healed. God, that ear issues and eye issues and whatever else is going on, God, we pray the healing power of Jesus into our lives right now. God, I pray for those who need an emotional healing. God, I pray that, that right now you would put your hand on that anger issue, that, that issue of complacency. God, I pray right now that you, would, that you would heal the most broken parts of who we are. And God, forgive us. God, I pray for those who are dealing with a broken past and those memories just keep coming. I first of all pray in the name of Jesus that all condemnation would leave because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray against shame today and that the healing power of God's love, grace, and mercy would wash it all away because of who you say we are, washed, cleansed, and set free. God, I pray for every other need that would break a human heart today. God, I pray in this moment that we would come to you with our hands open and say, Jesus, would you heal? Would you heal? 
So God, we pray your healing. And as we have prayed, now we will worship. So God, I pray that our hearts and our hands would be open right now as God's family seeks the healing power and the forgiving power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to worship. Eve's going to start to sing. If you know the song, sing along. If you don't, hold your hands like this and just receive it. Let's worship together. Eve.